Welcome, everybody. This is Mark Peter Davis, Managing Partner of Interplay. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs advance society, and this podcast is totally part of that effort. Today, we have a really special conversation with Zach Williams, the son of the entertainer Robin Williams. Um, as all of you probably know, Robin Williams committed suicide a number of years ago, um, and that took a big toll on Zach. Uh, Zach is an accomplished business executive in his own right and has taken his skills and that experience and dedicated himself to promoting mental wellness and health. Um, he has a lot of interesting perspective on it, but what he's ended up doing is focusing on the metabolic and nutritional component of mental health, something that's not often discussed. And he's created a company called PYM, P-Y-M, and they sell uh, packaged products that give people a lot of the nutrients uh, that Zach believes actually help people with mental health. So it's a fascinating conversation. He's very brave and very real and very raw in this. Uh, and I'm personally inspired by him and his work. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and without further ado, let's jump in. Zach, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Very cool. Uh, let's start at the top. Uh, will you tell everyone about your company, PIM? Sure. Yeah. Well, I started PIM because I found nutrition for mental well-being really helpful for me after my father, who was the entertainer Robin Williams, died by suicide. And uh, my now wife introduced me to nutritional solutions to help manage my anxiety and depression uh, that I, I was experiencing in conjunction with the trauma. And... Um, I was super skeptical at the time and was so impressed with the outcomes of nutritional solutions that um, helped me manage my anxiety within two days and my depression within two weeks. And um, uh, I wanted to create a brand that stood for mental health advocacy, like Starbucks stands for coffee or Patagonia stands for sustainability. And, um, you know, I've become a mental health advocate over the past almost decade. And um, through my journey, I realized that um, service is my path to happiness and to establish a brand that stands for adv advocacy and to help educate people around nutrition for mental well-being is kind of the best thing ever. I've, I've really uh, taken awesome. great pride and joy in this journey in helping educate folks. You know, uh, when I first met you, I was struck, and I think probably many people are, by the things you're kind of putting together, right? Mental health issues, mental wellness, like everyone's, a lot of people are talking about it. There's a lot of awareness um, in a great way that probably I don't think was like, so it was socially stigmatized even five to 10 years ago. But I haven't heard anyone except for you talk about the nutritional component. And that was like a total light bulb for me. I've not heard this advocated in any material way. Would you give us um, a rundown on how nutrition kind of interacts with mental well-being, health, mental health well-being words? Sure. Stumbling. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be my pleasure. <laughs> um, well, first <laughs> off, I advocate for mental hygiene. And what that relates to is 
not only nutrition, but fitness, mindfulness, things like meditation, community support, therapy, when and where available and so forth. And so nutrition is a component of the, the mosaic of mental hygiene. And what it comes down to really is uh, neuro, neurotransmitter health. Um, what I learned about myself is that because of my diet, and, and unfortunately, this is a case with the majority of Americans, um, I was deficient in, in terms of managing the nutrition relating to my neurotransmitter health. The Western diet is not supporting things like the serotonin environment, the catecholamine system, which is dopamine, norepinephrine, um, adrenaline, things like that. Um, and in addition to that, the GABA system, are not generally well supported. And so if you're looking at things that support things like the GABA system, it's fermented foods. We don't eat a ton of fermented foods, kimchi, things like sauerkraut, pickles, so forth. Uh, in other parts of the world, um, you find a diet that is rich in fermented foods and so forth. Things like uh, probiotics, a, a specific subclass, psychobiotics are really helpful for managing the gut-brain connection and supporting serotonin synthesis, things like that. And, um, and so when I started learning more about the nutritional elements of managing neurotransmitter health, I realized that things that weren't working well for me, for, for example, cannabinoids. I have a gene that makes me quite sensitive to cannabis. It was not helping anxiety at all. Certainly didn't help depression and so forth. So had to rule that out. Um, pharmaceuticals were making, making me personally feel numb and disconnected. They're very helpful for some people. Um, but in my case, not helpful at all. And so I had to, re I, I came to the realization that there was a set of things that I could apply to my diet that were very helpful. And, uh, we just basically created for, um, for folks, uh, concentrated nutrition. You know, we're technically in the supplements class, but I see it as concentrated nutrition. It's, it's, just, it's just a way of reframing things. That's awesome. Uh, has anyone studied any of this stuff? I feel like most, you know, Eastern medicine concepts just doesn't get funded uh, for real research in the U.S. And so we, we don't fully understand what works, what doesn't. Yeah. So, it, so think that on this? yes. Um, historically there was a lot of research done up until about the mid nineties in the U S and then through the, uh, commercialization of things like Prozac, there was a shift towards pharmaceutical interventions. Um, research, uh, from that point on was, was primarily done in places like Germany and Japan. And only in the past decade has research kicked back up in the U.S. And so places like Harvard Medical School, where there's uh, the Nutritional Psychiatry Center run by Dr. Uma Nadu, uh, are, are focusing on nutritional interventions. Um, fortunately, there's places like Stanford, where you have a focus on metabolic health. There's uh, the metabolic psychiatry uh center which is run by uh dr sethi um 
if you're talking about nutrition, there's a there's a major metabolic component. And if we're talking about an underlying issue with the uh, mental health epidemic, it also relates to a metabolic health epidemic, mm. whereby 60% of American adults are either pre-diabetic and or diabetic. And right. the issue with that is if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic, what's going to happen is uh, anxiety, depression, things like that is a, is an associated comorbidity with that. So um, there is an uptick in research, but we're in the early innings of where we can go. Lifestyle interventions are shown to be very uh, supportive and helpful uh, to prevent things like crisis and also manage things like serious mental illness or a class of mental health issues called CMD, which is common mental disorders, moderate anxiety, things like moderate depression and so forth are, are in that class. Um, this is not clinically resistant depression, um, which would be, you know, there are more intense interventions relating to that. Nutrition can't solve everything. It, it's just primarily very helpful for providing a foundational support modality. Zach, when we first talked about this, um, I think I got off the call and was struck by a level of bravery that you have in pursuing this particular venture. Um, your opening pitch, your explanation for why you do this associates with, with your dad's suicide. And you have to, in order to tell this story, say that opening line every time. I think it got me thinking about Michael Phelps, other people who have played in the mental health space um, and uh, have championed it and the bravery that goes with it. Because I feel like to get the word out, they have to, it feels to me as an outsider, like you have to reopen the wound every day. Has this been cathartic, painful? Is there some healing, you know, going out and doing this? Does this, does this help? Well, my whole mantra is service is my path to happiness. And so in delving into these issues and being vulnerable, it's part of my healing process. And so what I've found personally is that, yes, it's challenging to go through, but it, it's, it's providing a level of support that I didn't think was possible. And so through this journey, what I found with being vulnerable is that I'm able to connect with people in a unique way yeah, and learn more about myself through this process. And, you know, Relating to my ultimate mission, I want to create a world wherein my, my kids <clears throat> live free of stigma. And to get to that point is challenging, but it propels me forward every day. I have a four-year-old boy named Mickey and a two-year-old girl named Zola. <clears throat> and... Uh, I don't want them to grow up in a world where they feel isolated, disconnected, and only feel like they get the support when they're in crisis. You know, we, we need to establish daily solutions and, and 
that's the thing I refer to as mental hygiene. I appreciate that. Who are the most affected populations when you think about, you know, mental health and wellness? Well, Who's your focus? Well, Who's getting hit yeah, the hardest well, these days? <clears throat> Pardon me. I apologize. Um, well, I'll give you an, an example of where we're at in terms of comprehensive support. Um, 93% yeah. of the American public don't have access to therapy. It's unaffordable for 93% of folks. That's insane. So if you're looking at where the solutions lie, it's really 93% of people in need of, of lifestyle interventions, right? And, you know, even for the 7% of people who get therapy, that's not necessarily helpful in every case. For some people, right. it's decisively effective. For other people, they might not have the right therapist. They might be, you know, seeking in-network solutions and so forth. And, and that might not be the, the right path. Do we, do we have good measures for mental wellness and health in, you know, in society? I feel like it's, a, it's still in this category of an amorphous problem. We all know it's a, it's a real thing. I don't think there's a lot of debate on that. Um, when you look at like heart disease, we get th the arguments are thrown at us with stats, right? And mm -hmm. it feels like this is a sleeping giant where like you're saying 93% of people are probably already bothering to get any sort of evaluation or any, are there any KPIs out there? Are there anything we're doing? Are there mobile apps? Uh, How yeah, do we bring so, this more to the fore? Well, I mean, yes, there, there are measures of... I mean, there's a diagnostic environment that helps us understand where we're challenged in our mental health, right? There, there are measures like heart rate variability, um, which is one measure of, uh, of uh, you know, general mental health state in conjunction with that sleep status. There's companies like Aura that do a phenomenal job in measuring sleep and you know, they have beyond your sleep score, a readiness score, and, and that relates to things like, um, you know, REM sleep and so forth. That is helpful because there's a, a strong cor correlation with lack of sleep and mental health dysregulation. Also, metabolomics are helpful, but, you know, a small subset of the population are actually understanding their metabolic environment. Uh, again, with that 60% number, if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic, anxiety and depression are, are comorbidity associated with it. We really need to start linking uh, metabolic health with mental health. And in conjunction with that, there's things like neurotransmitter testing. Unfortunately, it's in its infancy. Yeah. Um, to get a true neurotransmitter reading, you'd have to do a spinal tap. And, oh, okay. uh, you it's know, you can't, let's it needs not to be in the Apple watch or it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can, you can do things like urinalysis and so forth, but that's very much related to your metabolic health. And, and so getting a reading of, of your general levels through urine or blood assays is not, you would need several readings to establish a baseline relating right. to your it's personal well-being it needs to be tied to actual 
uh, you know, uh, mental health surveys to actually understand how your environment, your neurotransmitter environment, pardon me, your neurotransmitter environment is actually relating to your mental health and so forth. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's complex and, uh, there's, uh, there are certainly opportunities. I would say we need to establish a more robust diagnostic environment to really get to the level of understanding how those diagnostics could be directly linked with interventions. Now, one thing I bet you, um, it's not, I'm making an assumption that I know the answer to this based on the way you're describing it, but I bet you is probably not a well-understood thing and uh, is why, why your point is probably striking. This idea that metabolic health, we're talking about obesity, blood sugar, blood glucose levels being off, all of the stuff, right, being tied to anxiety and depression. Is the anxiety and depression a correlation, meaning people who are, ang- who are anxious or depressed are more likely to have the wrong diet, or people who have the wrong diet are more likely to um, become ang- anxiety and depressed about that, or is it causation? The actual hormone levels, the regulatory systems in the body when it's um, out of sorts actually leads to these mental states. I would hazard to say, yeah, great question. But it's an excellent question. Um, I'd hazard to say it's causation because of folks' lack of awareness around their metabolic health. Right? And that's a big connection, if that can be made. Yeah, I would say we need to establish more studies around it, specifically. Um, there, There are there are studies being done by, for example, Dr. Chris Palmer at Harvard Medical School. He's at Mass General. Um, oh, pardon me. At Yes, he's at Mass General, um, who's establishing studies to establish to make that link. But um, but we need to do more research around it specifically. When are you going to write a book on this? Because I feel like this is going to become one of those books. I just read Breath. I don't know if you've read that about how we're breathing out worth it um talks about evolutionary uh the way we consume food actually has changed our jaw structure our sinus structures all of our snoring sleep apnea uh he makes a pretty good argument that a lot of it's actually tied back to the the fact that we process foods and our jaws don't change shape when we're kids Mm -hmm. uh and so it's who knew and he goes back and looks at skulls three years ago but there's there's these books that come out that i think make their rounds uh, uh, through the community of health nuts like myself. Um, I'd love to pick up a book. So is someone writing it? Are you going to? What's, how well, do we get this out? I, yeah, and well, get it baked uh, a little bit. Yeah, so the, fo- uh, the person I just mentioned, Dr. Chris Palmer, just wrote a book around it uh, called Oh, Brain what's Energy. the name of the book? We'll link to Brain it. Brain Energy. Brain Energy. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you. And um, that book is about the metabolic link. Oh, very cool. I'll read yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, it's a start. The thing is, is that it, it's not reached kind of mass zeitgeist at this point. And right. we really need to get to the point where folks start understanding that there's a metabolic connection because, um, we can help with the diet. Ideally, we'd want to start 
establishing solutions. With our company, Pam, I'd say, you know, we're, we're very much, we're not focused on personalization. We're very focused on kind of, you know, retail solutions. Um, but that's a really strong start, right? It's like yeah. eating something that gets you your baseline nutrients that you need. Yeah. But from a personalization standpoint, um, there are great companies like Verta Health that are focused on reversing things like diabetes through diet. The thing is, if you reverse diabetes or a pre-diabetic state, you're going to have a better time in general. So there's, there's a major connection between metabolic health and mental health, as we've previously discussed. And uh, there is an incredible opportunity for entrepreneurs to focus on that. What are the blockers in this space? Maybe another way to ask this is, um, if you were king, what would you change? Um, okay, so I'm a systems-based mental health advocate, so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna abstract Go for it. the level. Um, the data environment is in need of uh, more connections. So payer systems, the public sector, companies need to be sharing data, connecting data. If we're talking about the digitalization of uh, healthcare records, we're at, and this is in accordance with uh, Oracle's data, um, we're at about 40% of digitalization. And we need to start under, we need to start connecting how's pardon me we need to start connecting how people's mental health relates to what they're doing in their lifestyle what they're eating how they're sleeping their fitness level what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of you know things like breath work um meditation i'd say that that's kind of a an added plus the breath work and meditation side of things but a direct connection to diet and mental health and 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 um you know dysregulation is um is from a data perspective in its early stages so we need to we need to tie data environments together it needs to be connected with things folks are doing and uh and also we need to establish ways in which we can engage people upstream prior to them being in crisis. Appreciate that. Uh, this has got to be an interesting journey, right? Building this company. And there's a lot of mission driven companies out there, but um, only a certain number of them hit kind of like mainstream, well understood challenges. Uh, what have you learned from running this company? Anything surprise you? Um, yeah, I, I never set out to create a consumer goods company in, in you know, most stages of my career. Um, for me, the thing that was most pronounced is we've ended up recruiting a team that are that's focused around education and advocacy. And uh, we've become educators and advocates as kind of a a moat <laughs> you know I, I i i sit down with nutritional experts at at uh you know our retail partners and so forth and talk to them and their mind is blown <laughs> around how 
supportive nutrition can be. And these are experts, right? And and so the thing is, is that there's just a lack of awareness and education. And our team has just got super, has become super ex- excited around um, educating folks. And so we've become a, a content and education company in lockstep with delivering supportive consumer goods. What does the industry need? You're out solving this part of it. What should entrepreneurs be doing? Would be people who could look at the space. What do you want them to do to come in and help? Uh, folks need to be tripling down on research. Really, it's, it's challenging because already running a consumer goods company is very hard. And mm-hmm. then, you know, allocating resources <laughs> to research and double blind randomized studies and things like that is, is often kind of last thing folks want to additionally allocate capital to, but it's needed and required. And for us, it's, it's a necessity. We need to establish more research backed physical goods companies. And, you know, I know in the beginning of this conversation, we talked, we covered kind of the kind of the cute thing with your dad that got you on this path where there was this kind of always a journey for you where you always thinking kind of mental health was a topic Anything else that shaped your trajectory? Um, I have a consumer tech background. I started my career at Electronic Arts. I was at Condé Nast. Prior to starting PIM, I was the chief operating officer of Crossing Minds, the artificial intelligence company. And, uh, and I never set out to be a mental health advocate and entrepreneur. The thing for me is I started realizing that my personal experience with stigma was preventing me from achieving everything I wanted in life. Yeah. And, you know, in part, which is happiness, but also, um, uh, a sense of personal security and self-esteem and so forth. And in becoming a mental health advocate, it's become very clear that, um, this mission oriented approach is, making me and folks like me, for lack of a better word, unstoppable. I mean, we we just need to be doing what we're doing through any means. And so I just happen to be focusing on the private sector. There are folks in the nonprofit sector, in the public sector, and so forth that are establishing incredible forms of impact and, and making a major difference. But, you know, I have an MBA and have spent the better part of 20 years focused on, on, uh, establishing a difference in the, in the private sector. So that's how I know how to make a difference. Um, I'm, there are folks with MBAs who, who do incredible things in the public sector and nonprofit sector. But for me, that's how I know to be effective is, is taking my experience and, and, uh, establishing a systems-based strategy to make a difference. I mean this very sincerely. Thank you for your bravery um, and taking this journey. It's awesome. And thanks for joining us today and sharing this. Thank you, Mark. I deeply appreciate having the opportunity to speak with you. I don't think there's a lot I need to say after that one. Um, Huge thanks to Zach for coming in uh, and taking up this mantle because it would have been probably a lot easier to not have to think about these challenges or face this every day. 
Uh, he's very brave and strong. Um, I like what he's doing. Uh, we were all wishing him the best of luck and success. Definitely check out his products in the store. You're voting with your dollars to support him and the mission. Uh, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. 